Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Paul's epistle to the Colossians chapter 4 verse 2. And the subject then this morning is prayer, specifically continuing in prayer and watching in those same things that we have prayed for and then giving thanks when we see the answers that we receive. But before we come to the three points that uh, flow out from the text, on to notice firstly the context the apostle here writing from Rome from prison he speaks of those that he is writing to and we need to always remember that the scriptures they're not just a blanket word to everyone sometimes the word, as in the previous chapter, it is speaking to wives and husbands. Verse 18 of chapter 3. So it's a very specific word. And we can see that the words that are spoken are for a particular people. We have in the Old Testament, this word is for you priests. And specifically to them. The beginning of this chapter, Masters, give unto your servants. It's very clear that the word spoken is to a specific person or group of people. When it comes to our text, I believe we're coming on more general ground and exhortations that apply to everyone. You might say everyone, but we can't continue in prayer unless we have begun in prayer. But nevertheless, we need to be reminded that some of the words of Scripture are specifically to believers and some are to unbelievers, some are general words. If you look at the leaflet on our chapel website and one of the leaflets that we give out is in messages of hope in time of need. And in that leaflet, we've specifically divided those that are texts that are for God's people. They're not for those that are unbelievers. They specifically belong as a privilege to a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are other uh, words that are of comfort then to men in general, unbelievers as well as believers, but the word of God, it should be to us that we should be attracted to, if we are not a believer and do not know the Lord, that we see words spoken to the Lord's people and that it raises up a really godly jealousy and a desire that those words belong to us and that they are spoken to us. And if we know that we do believe in the Lord, then may it be a comfort to us the Lord speaks to us as his children, as believers. 
So this is the context then, and we believe that the word spoken of here, uh, we uh, address it to those who have begun in prayer, but it is a real challenge then, isn't it? Have we really begun in prayer? And that's not just any prayer. We would think of the apostle who is the author of this epistle and the time that he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees and the Pharisees were known for making long prayers. But he did not continue in that way. The Lord met with him on the Damascus Road and one of the evidences that was given to Ananias when he was told to go to the persecutor of the people of God and he was hesitant in going, he says, Behold, he prayeth. Which might have seemed a strange thing, but remember, Saul of Tarsus was persecuting those that called upon the name of Jesus. And now he was calling upon that same name he was praying. Paul began to pray, not when he was a Pharisee, but when he was called by God on the Damascus Road. And so he is in a position here himself to receive this word that he gives to others, continue in prayer. We can't possibly think that Paul began but didn't continue. But we may ask, well, what is prayer? What is prayer? Prayer is when man speaks unto God. And how can we do that except having a warrant from God, promises from God, a way that that which is spoken on earth is received up into heaven our Lord spoke parables that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And he spoke of the widow that was being persecuted and how that she kept going and going to the judge, avenge me of mine adversary. He would not for a while, but then said, lest she weary me by her constant coming, then I will avenge her. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge has said, shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him? Yea, he shall avenge them speedily. And so we have many exhortations to pray, to continue in prayer. We read with uh, the first occasion, we might say, of prayer, when we read of it anyway in the word of God, with Enos, then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. And we read it with Abraham in Genesis, how that he then called upon the name of the Lord in Genesis 12, verse 8. And it is very specific prayer. It's not calling upon any God. It's not calling upon no one, but... Jehovah, they called upon God himself. And we know every believer, everyone that was truly of God, they saw Christ's day like Abraham did and rejoiced at it. And it is through our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ 
that we do pray. His name is our advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the great antitype of the ark of God and the promise is that the Lord will meet with us from over top the mercy seat. The mercy seat was on the ark of God and that was a blood-sprinkled mercy seat. And it is through blood, it is through pleading the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's pleading what he has done is the basis for prayer, is the basis for acceptance into the holiest of all. Our prayers are then mixed with Christ's blood. It brings a sweet savour of Christ. We think of uh, after the flood, when the sacrifice was offered uh, by Noah, the Lord smelled a sweet savour. And that sweet savour is his sin-atoning sacrifice. And as we pray through his name, as we put our God in remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is he himself that makes that intercession that appears in the presence of God for us. And we have that beautiful example where our Lord says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another uh, comforter which shall abide with you forever. Tarry at Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And the day, day of Pentecost is a wonderful testimony to the intercession of the Lord and that answer to prayer. So we come through the Lord Jesus Christ. We have authority from him to pray, to call upon him, to ask in his name. We want to, before we come to these points, because the first one is continuing, think of the vital importance of beginning to pray. Beginning to pray. And we may ask each other, have we begun to pray? Have we begun to call upon the name of the Lord in truth? Has it been something that has been a real change in our lives? We know we mentioned Paul with being a Pharisee, the type of prayers he prayed. We know that many in a time of trouble, though they've never prayed though they've never believed they say they're even atheists and yet they get a time of real trouble or danger to their lives and most will pray most then will forget and they won't continue in prayer it's not that type of prayer we're speaking of it is prayer that defines our lives it be becomes a feature of our lives, to live a life of faith and prayer. Not just one day of the week, not just in public, but as our Lord says, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet and pray unto thy Father which is in secret, and he that heareth in secret shall reward thee openly. And our Lord was doing a direct comparison between the very public and uh, proud prayers of the Pharisees. Remember he gave the example of the Pharisee and the publican, the publican's prayer, God be merciful to me, a sinner. 
And so I want really the very beginning this morning to bring this, this, this challenge, this question, have we begun to pray? How was it brought about? How did the Lord bring it about? What was done? What did we hear? What happened in our lives? Paul could tell you what happened. I can tell you what first began to bring me to pray, to be in concern for my soul. I felt ignorance of the ways and things of the Lord. And from that moment that that was wrought upon me, then it was to pray and to ask. You know, what a difference with the Pharisee's prayer. It was telling the Lord everything. But when we really begin to pray, it will be in want and in need and there will be asking. Of course, that is not the soul. In prayer, there's adoration. There's a beautiful uh, type of our Lord giving us the manner of prayer in the Lord's Prayer. That it is coming first to give that glory and honour unto the Lord. And then it is seeking, uh, seeking for the bread of life. It is seeking that we might be delivered from evil. Seeking that we might forgive others and be forgiven as we also forgive others. There is a, the, the pattern of prayer there. But the context here especially is prayer that we are able to watch for answers, see answers, and give thanks for answers. And so I want then to look at the points here that, dear friends, don't don't just come short in a just a brushed off answer. Are we really men and women of prayer? And I believe one of the great proofs of it will be in the first point that I want to look at. So the three points, continuing in prayer. First point. The second point, watching in the same things prayed for. Connection between our prayers and between what we watch for. And thirdly, giving thanks as answers to prayers are given. Again, a connection between what is prayed for, what is watched and seen, and giving of thanks. So firstly then, the continuing in prayer. So it's continuing in a path of prayer that God has set us in. Now wherever we are set in a course of action, it is a right, a good principle to continue in that until the Lord gives other directions, whether it's in providence, whether we're brought to a certain place, we stay in that place, like the children of Israel in the wilderness, until the Lord moves us on or gives other directions. Those of us that are used to today using sat-navs for direction, very often you'll get a direction when you have a turn in the road and then there'll just be silence and you might pass many crossroads and you think, why isn't it telling me which way to go? It doesn't need to because 
the expectation is if there's no direction, you keep on going in the way that you've already been set in. And the Lord doesn't set his people in a path and then change course, especially in the spiritual way where he gives the Spirit, where he points to Christ, where he points to the Word of God, where he points to prayer, where he leads, he will continue in that way. Really, in, in all of our faith, it is the continuing that proves the reality of it. You think of the parable of the sower. It was the continuing and the bringing forth of fruit. Not that the seed suddenly snatched away or choked uh, with the things of this world or gone back because of being offended because of the word. He that endureth unto the end shall be saved. And this especially relates to prayer. From the time one of the Lord's children is called by grace and begins to pray, right through until they breathe their last, they are to continue in prayer. But also we are to continue in a path of prayer when answers are begun to be made. There is a tendency with us that we will stop praying when the Lord begins to work. We might perhaps have been praying for uh, a, maybe a pastor and the Lord gives a, a person that is hoping to come, maybe on probation like on some of our churches this year. But you see the Lord's hand, you think, oh, that prayer's been answered. And then there's a stopping of praying. Instead of it being more intense that it be truly proved to be of the Lord, truly be a blessing, is thinking, the Lord's on his way now. He'll do it. He will answer it. And he can apply to many things. We can be asking for uh, a job. And we see an advert. We apply for it. We get a, uh, an interview. But even before we get an interview, do we just stop or do we ask further? Then we get an interview. Then we get the job. Do we stop praying then? So I've got my job now got my position, yeah, but what about help in, in performing that function, in continuing, in favour, in wisdom for what you're to do? It's the same with anything in the Church of God, any path that we are put in. We're not to think, as sometimes can happen, oh, the Lord's on his way, he, he will do it, or it might be something of which we have to take an active part in and we in effect say to the Lord, Lord, thou hast started this thing. I can take it over now. Don't worry about it. I don't need to pray anymore for your help. I'll do it from now on. And we can have that spirit. So especially when the Lord begins to work, think of this word, think of this text. Continue in prayer. 
He said, but an answer has been given. Yes, an answer may have been given, but that opens up for even more prayer to build upon that, what has been given. Another way of looking at this word, it is the way forward. Sometimes we may get very low, very tempted, very trying, and we might say, how can I continue? I don't know, you might have even said it. I don't know how I can continue. I don't know how to go on. Our text is an answer how to go on. How to continue. Continue in prayer. It's a simple direction. A simple direction. This is how we are going to continue when we don't know how we can continue in prayer. We think of over a more longer period of time, like set forth in James, referring to Elijah. Elijah, he says, was a man subject to like passions as we are. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not upon the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the earth gave her increase. The rain came. We know how that he prayed those seven times on Mount Carmel before the little cloud like a man's hand arose out of the sea. But a space of three and a half years continue in prayer. Yes, you might say the Lord would not have Elijah to pray for rain when the Lord had decreed those three and a half years would not be so. Elijah couldn't pray for something that he'd prayed would not come and now immediately try and contravene that. There's a time to pray for something to not happen and to pray for something to happen. And you see that then. And we think with the children of Israel brought into Babylonish captivity, it would have been wrong in Jeremiah's day for him to undermine what he knew was to be God's appointment because of sins going right back to Manasseh's day. But you think of Daniel chapter 9. He understood by books that the Time was coming to the end. And so then he set himself to confession and to prayer. Daniel, why hadn't you prayed before? In all your captivity, why didn't you pray? Because that time was not come. But now it was come. And sometimes we can prove it in this way, that we don't even, it doesn't come into our mind to pray for a specific thing, or we have no liberty in praying for a certain thing, and then we feel a distinct change. Providence may change. Things impressed upon our mind, and we become like Daniel. And I believe it's a very clear indication of the Lord about to work when he brings his people to pray for something, to be earnest for something, that hitherto they have not been earnest for. 
Now that is not to say, and I know we, we sang in our first hymn about prayer being indicted by the Spirit, and we I sincerely believe the Lord does indict prayer, he does put prayer into our hearts, but we are not to restrain prayer thinking, well, maybe I haven't got the Spirit. Or maybe even I shouldn't pray about something. Remember Paul, when he prayed about the thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, he asked the Lord to take it away three times. And the Lord said, no, my grace is sufficient for thee. I often think of that passage. If ever Satan will say, well, don't pray for that, it might not be the Lord's will. Well, if it's not the Lord's will, he will show me. He will show me through the word of God he will impress it upon my spirit, but until he does, as I have that need and as I have it upon my spirit to do, I will pray for that thing, continuing in prayer. And so sometimes it can be a, a thing of a, a long duration uh, and continuing as well when we haven't had answers. What a test of that, isn't it? You might say it's easy to continue in prayer when we have answers, but if it's something of long duration and we pray year on year and still it doesn't seem to be answered, the Lord doesn't stop us praying either. And there's that encouragement to still go on, still pray. Him writer says, well, God will all explain nor shalt thou seek his face in vain. And so this first point, this first phrase, continue in prayer. Maybe the Lord will give you some meditation upon this. We haven't got time to further go on this point, but the, the comments already made be a help to you to think, to pray even over this word as how that we should be continuing in prayer in specific matters, giving the Lord no rest. It is the blessed way where God's people come before the Lord. And as in the Song of Solomon, the Lord loves to hear his people's voice, he invites them that he hears their voice. His people, they also say to the Lord, Be not silent unto me. Lest if thou be silent unto me, I become like them that go down into the pit. But may we not be silent to the Lord. May our voice be heard in the courts of heaven. I want to look then secondly at watching in the same things that we have prayed for. The very first thing that comes to mind in that is that our prayers have been specific prayers. When Hannah came up to Shiloh with Samuel, she says to Eli, for this child I prayed. A very specific thing. And we should be the same if we ever are to be able to watch, if we are ever able to give thanks our prayers won't be just general prayers, they'll be specific ones. They will also be prayers that change 
according to what we are going through. We're not going to be Stoics that when we are well and when we are ill and when we're in adversity and when we're doing uh, prosperously well, when we've got enemies and when everyone is friends to us, that our prayers will always be the same. We think of the prayers in the Psalms where greatly reflect what the psalmist was going through. It reflected in his urgency, uh, what he was praying for, and the deliverances that he was seeking. And so when we are to watch, there must be something that we're watching. But where do we watch? Well, we watch in providence. We watch what the Lord does in our lives. We watch unto those things that will affect the answer to our prayers. When we think of providence, we think especially of the book of Esther. You don't read of, in the book of Esther of the name of God, but we read about God's hand on every page. And so when we are watching, we could break it down into other things, specific things to watch in our lives. What's timing? Especially with the book of Esther, the timing of things happening was absolutely crucial. You think of the king that could not sleep and that it happened to be that he was reading the book uh, of the records uh, and of those chamberlains that had been plotting against his life, how their plot had been found out, they had been killed, his life spared, and lo and behold, nothing had been done for Mordecai, who had made known that to the king. And that is just to the point he is when Haman comes in to ask that Mordecai be killed. And before, Mordecai, before Haman has an opportunity to ask his petition, the king has something to ask Haman. What shall be done unto the man the king delighteth to honour? Haman, he thinks, oh, that's me. And he says what he thinks he would like done to him. Then gets a terrible shock when he's got to do that to Mordecai and can't ever speak to have him put to death after that. But the timing, what if that had not happened? What if the king had not been reading about that account? What if Haman had got his request in first? Mordecai would have been killed. You see the timing. Elisha, the Shunammite woman with her son coming back, pleading for her lands from the king after she'd been away during the famine. And just as she's asking the king for her lands, there is Gehazi, Elisha's servant, and the king is asking him, tell me all the wonderful works, the miracles that Elisha has done. And he just got to the point about telling how he'd raised a dead body to life and the woman comes in with her son and he says, this, this is her son. This is the son that was raised alive. And the king asks and he gives her all the lands back. And again, it is the timing to watch. Watching specific answers where we can specifically see an answer. But sometimes it is not a specific answer at first because it's of a, a long 
process or long things that are happening. And the Lord has said, I'll make all my goodness pass before thee in the way. That when he putteth forth his sheep, he goeth before them. The sheep, they hear his voice, they follow him. We should expect to see the Lord go before. If we're going to meet someone, we're fearful about them, or how they shall answer. Our prayer is that we might find favour like Nehemiah in the eyes of the king. And he did find favour. The king did give him that authority to go to Jerusalem and to repair the walls that were broken down. And that was a specific prayer uttered really in the presence of the king and he wouldn't even know Nehemiah was asking for it. And yet he had the answer. We uh, then are looking to see the goodness of the Lord, softening hearts, bringing about providences, bringing about things that we, we had not looked for, we had not expected. Uh, we even would look and watch at where mistakes happen. Mistakes are overruled for good. Things that happen that seem opposite or contrary, and yet they turn out for good. Sometimes over a long period of time, like it was with Joseph, until his time came, the word of the Lord tried him. Many prayers, many cries, no doubt, to the Lord. But Joseph at last could say, it was not you that brought me hither, but God. Ye meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And he was able to see that. And so there are things to specifically watch. Watch when men or even beasts do things against nature. You think of the ravens of Elijah. Wasn't that something to watch, a wonderful thing that had been brought about? To be able to say, this is the Lord's work, is marvellous in our eyes. Sometimes we can go through life and we're very unobservant. We're not looking at a wider picture. We're not putting things together. We're not believing that my life's minutest circumstance is subject to God's eye. We're not believing that nothing happens by chance, but by God's appointment. We are not realising that the Lord is in control. We're not expecting to see the Lord to have an influence over men, over nations, over things that happen. Sometimes we can look back and see so clearly the Lord's hand when we emigrated, came over here from Australia and the call to the pastorate here, it was very, very clear. The timing was also very, very clear. And uh, just recently, hearing our brother Hastings exercises coming back from Africa to this land, he, like we ourselves, had an exercise to come back to this land and so when called to probation as a church, he felt, as we felt, the time was right 
to come back permanently regardless of how that probation period went. In both of our cases, it's resulted in the pastorate. But it was a way, an action of faith. And for ourselves, we can see, even in a temporal way, when you're bringing your whole life savings from one country to another, the exchange rates are very important. We've got graphs at home that plot the exchange rates to when we actually moved to be the best in favour, I think 10 years each way. And, and then house prices as well, when we are able to buy our home here. A graph where the house price has been so high and they went right down to their lowest they've ever been. And ever since then, they've climbed up and up and up. And any change to either of those two things, we would never have the home that the Lord provided for us here. We only just had enough money to put down on the house and to buy it. And again, remarkable providences in the representatives that ignored their computers were able to give us a mortgage when their computers were saying, do not touch them, they've got no history of any income in this land, don't give them a mortgage. They did. There's many things we can look back over and should really record of the Lord's goodness and in answer to prayer. And we are to notice these things, notice what happens, shut doors, open doors, and we are to be able to clearly say, this is the Lord's hand. This is his doing. This is an answer to prayer. The Lord is answering prayer. Now, I want to join together this with our first point that is continuing in prayer. When we notice the Lord is starting to work, don't stop praying. Still pray. Still continue in prayer. But while we are continuing in prayer, let's come to our third point. Because the third point is with thanksgiving. Watching the same with thanksgiving. So as we're watching, then we are to give thanks for those answers to prayer. Not waiting and say, well, let's wait to the end. A good example of this is when the children of Israel had Moses sent to them, they didn't say, well, Moses, God has sent you, uh, and we believe he has to deliver us out of Egyptian bondage, but you wait until you brought us into Canaan, and then we'll give thanks. They immediately gave thanks and praise to God. A little while later, Pharaoh had made their Burdens even greater. They wouldn't even listen to Moses. Was it wrong that they gave thanks? No, it was right. It's right that they gave thanks instantly. How vital it is that we do not leave thanksgiving to a more convenient time, but give thanks straight away. And this is to continue with the prayer. You know, our text is continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. 
Watch in the same. The same things that have been prayed for, we're watching. And with joining together with this prayer and watching, intermingled with it, inseparably part of it, there is thanksgiving all the way along the way. That is to be the pattern of our lives. This is to be how we are to continue. And it's a sweet, it's a blessed thing to give thanks to the Lord. Remember Jehoshaphat, Mount Seir, Moab, coming against them, great company, neither know he what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. That was his prayer. The Lord answered through a prophet who said that they would not need to fight in that battle. The Lord would go before them and fight. Did Jehoshaphat wait and say, well, we'll see if your prophecy comes to pass and then we'll give thanks. No, they went forth to that war. They went forth to the battleground singing and praising to the Lord. And it was while they were doing that that the Lord set the ambushments and the Lord worked for them. It is an act of faith, an act of believing what the Lord had said and they gave thanks for that word that had been said, what already had been done. How many things that we should give thanks to the Lord for on that count alone, especially when we think of salvation, what the Lord has done, the calling of our own souls, those things in the past that we still Remember and give thanks again for the Apostle Paul. He speaks of the brethren when he had trouble, when he had adversity. Many, many people were praying for him. And he rejoiced because when those prayers were answered, then many would be giving thanks on his behalf. I fear sometimes that when the brethren ask us to pray for them, or we ask others to pray for us, Even though we may pray, there's not a follow-up. There's not a picking up the phone and saying, "Uh, was your prayer answered? How are you? Are you better now? Uh, There's not an opportunity to even look for to, to give thanks, to give praise for those answers. We should, if we're praying for our brethren in specific things, follow it up so that then, If those prayers are answered, we can give thanks. And the more people that have been praying for a particular individual, the more thanks, the more praise ascends up to God. Well, may the Lord bless this word to us and make us to be walking in it, continuing in prayer and watching in the same with thanksgiving. Amen.